0: self-exaltation of every kind and self-determination in your sexuality or in your hatred or in your lust for power or greed self-exaltation and self-determination can never hold the planets of the lusts of the heart in their proper orbit. One thing can hold the planets of passion in their orbit, and that is the glory of God.
1: So how does the glory of God restore order to our disordered sexual passions? That's the critical question John Piper answers from Romans 1:28 to 32, in this episode of Light and Truth. This sermon was originally preached at Bethlehem Baptist Church on October 18th, 1998. Father, I pray for your
0: help now as we together apply our minds to this portion of your Holy Word, that we would humble ourselves before it and that we would bow down and worship the God revealed in it, and that we would take upon ourselves the light burden and the easy yoke of following Jesus here. I pray, Father, for a gift of prophetic insight for myself so that I speak words that would be appointed for the people that are in this room. And I ask, Father, that you would protect me and us from error and that you would fill us with love and that you would fill us with truth and that you would fill us with courage and boldness and righteousness and that you would work a reordering of our sexual lives wherever that's needed to the glory of your Son. Thank you so much for your promise to never leave us or forsake us, but to help us. I pray in his name, Jesus. Amen. Now I confess that my main aim here is not to persuade you that homosexuality is wrong. It is wrong to do homosexual acts, but you can believe that and not be a Christian. So what does it profit if you know everything in the world that's wrong and lose your soul? My aim is a lot higher than that. My aim is to alter the way you see reality and to put God and His glory back at the center of reality. The universe of your soul and the universe of society and the universe as a whole was made to have the glory of God as its center with all of the planets of our passions orbiting in their proper place, held there by the gravity of the glory of God. So my aim is to reestablish the centrality of the glory of God at the center of the solar system of your soul and of this society. That's my aim. The murder of Matthew Shepard in Laramie, Wyoming was committed by men who exchanged the centrality of God's glory for the satellite of self-exaltation. And self-exaltation of every kind and self-determination in your sexuality or in your hatred or in your lust for power or greed... Self-exaltation and self-determination can never hold the planets of the lusts of the heart in their proper orbit. One thing can hold the planets of passion in their orbit, and that is the glory of God. I saw this this week as I read the news and listened in Romans 1, 28 to 29, you might want to look at that. Verse 28, just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. In other words, they, they didn't approve to have God in their knowledge any longer. God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder. So there's the answer. Murder. Where does murder come from? Murder comes from a mind that no longer wants God butting in. No longer has God, as the sun in the solar system of its manifold passions, holding them all in perfect orbits of beauty by his immense weight and gravity, but have sold him out. You see it in verse 23? They exchange the glory of God for images. You see it in verse 25. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. And then you see it again in verse 28. They don't want God in their knowledge anymore. And from that root flows all the disorders of the universe. All of them. All the disorders come. Sexual, social, physical, emotional, They come from the exchange of the glory of God for other things. The human race has exchanged the glory of God for other things and put satellites, light satellites of their own making, with no gravitational pull, at the center of their lives and society, And these little man-made values, these little man-made satellites have no power to hold anything in orbit. Everything is flying out of orbit into destruction in our society and in our own souls where God Almighty and his glory has been replaced. That's the point of this text. That's the point of last week's message. That's the point of this message. That's the point of every message I preach. Wherever the glory of God is displaced by human creations or human beings, the passions of life, the values of life, disorder and eventually fly into oblivion and self-destruct this disordering that comes from the removal of the sun of the glory of God from the center of the soul and the center of society, when you remove the weight of the glory of God and put weightlessness in little man-made satellites at the center, the disordering of the solar system of the soul is a judgment from God. Every time this text says that humans exchange the glory of God, it follows it by saying God gives them over. God gives them over to the disordering of the solar system of their sexual lives and every other branch of their lives. Verse 24, let's just see these three again. Verse 24, therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their heart to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored. That's a judgment from God that our bodies would be dishonored in our fornications and adulteries and homosexual activities. Verse 26, for this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. And then he articulates in verses 26 and 27 what those are. Then in verse 28 A third time, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. And what he means by those things which are not proper are what we've seen sexually in the first several verses. And then next week, we're going to move into the next text and we'll see 21 more sins listed in verses 29, 30 and 31 that flow from The exchange of the glory of God for other things. And nobody escapes those 21. Nobody. Heterosexual, homosexual, male, female, old, young, religious, irreligious. They're all there. We're all there. As it says later, chapter 3, verse 9. Both Jews and Greeks, all are under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. The root of all our problems, underline the word all. I mean it without exception. The root of all human problems is the exchange of the glory of God for other treasures. And God hands us over to the fruit of that exchange in 10,000 troubles in our lives. The effect of those 10,000 troubles should be repentance and worship, not rebellion and atheism. And what a tragedy that all the 10,000 troubles into which God hands us because of our exchanging his glory for other things would cause many people to deepen their guilt rather than fleeing from it by rebelling against the God who brought it upon them. Even physical diseases and natural calamities are owing to this judgment of God, which is very relevant now as we talk more in detail about the origins of homosexuality. I don't think anybody knows to what degree homosexuality is rooted in genetic or hormonal conditions what would it imply if it was proven as it may well be proven that there is a genetic predisposition to homosexual behavior well, the answer is is that it would prove very little morally if nature itself is disordered because of our sin. And if nature itself, from the genetic DNA up, must be redeemed and fixed in its brokenness, to locate the origin of anything there proves nothing with regard to its moral standing among us. Now, I want you to turn to chapter 8 while I lay the biblical foundations for this, because this is of massive importance, not just with regard to homosexuality, but with regard to all of life and its terrible troubles and pain and burdens and tragedies and calamities. I want you to... I said at the beginning my aim is to change the way you see reality. Well I tell you, Romans 8, 20 to 23 is a massive worldview changer. I hope that God will grant you the grace to be open to these four verses and let the massive Truth, deliverance from God land in you, on you, take root in you, and help you understand the origins of all disorderings in your life. Wherever you are disordered, and everybody is disordered. Okay? Verse 20 of Romans 8. The creation was subjected to futility, not willingly but because of Him who subjected it in hope. Now stop there and think with me. Creation, all creation from the galaxies to the atom has been subjected to futility. Things don't work the way they were originally designed to work. They break. And they're futile. Kidneys break. Mental stability breaks. Sexual ordering breaks. Winds, rains, rivers, volcanoes, bacteria, viruses, Swiss air jet electrical wiring, brake linings, Heart attacks in 86-year-old men driving through crosswalks while blind students are crossing the street. Wild white blood cells, trisomy of the 21st chromosome, 10,000 heartaches in a fallen world. Creation was subjected to futility. Question, by whom? Read the answer at the end of verse 20. By him who subjected it in hope. Now that's not man, and that's not Satan. That's God. God subjected creation to futility because of the exchange of the glory of God for our own wisdom when Adam And Eve sinned. And the point of this futility that we see in our own bodies, in our own families, in our own children, in our own society, in our own broken cars and plumbing and nature. The point of all that futility is to dramatize the horror of the exchange. If you look around on this world and you want to scream at the pain and the suffering, scream at your sin. Scream at the exchange, the universal, not an exception in this world, not one in this room. The universal exchange of the glory of God as our treasure and our passion and our life. Tell me about it. Tell me about your home life. Tell me about your love of Christ. Tell me about how you're rearing your children. Tell me about your love of money. Tell me about how you've got it all together and Christ is supreme in your life. At the center, holding all the planets of your passions in perfect orbit. Tell me about it and I'll rip this page out of my Bible. We are sinners to the core, all of us, apart from sovereign grace. Our hearts are so rebellious against God, we are corrupt down to our fingernails. And this exchange of the glory of God for what we want without any holy desires has brought upon the world a futility that witnesses every day to the magnitude of the importance of the glory of God and the horror of exchanging that glory for anything which every person has done ever since Adam and Eve. Hope for what? He did it in hope. He subjected it in hope. For what? Let's read verse 21. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption. There's another label for the word futility. Slavery to corruption. Into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Now stop there. The reason he brings in this image of the pains of childbirth is to illustrate the point of hope. He compares this, the upheaval of this planet... I mean, how easy it would be for all of us to document the the agonizing upheavals as though the creation is a woman pushing and pushing and pushing till all the blood vessels in her face break to bring forth something good. He says, "That's, that's the way the planet is. That's the way Paul looked at this upheaval. Of misery. Something awesome is coming. And we Christians, our job is to declare in the world what's coming and how you can be a part of it. And not be swept away in destruction. And remarkably, Paul poses and answers the crying question that we raised briefly last week, namely, if all this misery, if all this disorder, if all this pain, if all this upheaval, if all this dysfunction of mind and family and body and nature is judgment because of an exchange, then surely we... Who've been adopted and justified and forgiven and loved by Almighty God. Surely we will be given escape from it. Surely. I mean, doesn't He love us? Haven't our sins been forgiven? Aren't we adopted in the family of God? Look at verse 23. It says, though he heard us crying. And not only this, that is, not only does the whole creation groan, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, that's born again, God adopted, justified people having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves... He repeats it. You see the point? We ourselves, even we ourselves, as though... No, no, Paul, you can't mean that. I do mean that. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting, 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 waiting. waiting For adoption... As sons, namely, the redemption of our body. That is one of the most important verses in the Bible. To understand life. To understand pain. To understand brokenness in families. Don't you every week say... How long, how long, how long am I to deal with this pain in my children, in my body, in my mind, in my background, in my seemingly hopeless future on this earth? How long, oh Lord? Don't you find every week something like that? Or if you have love in your heart, at least when you watch television, Kosovo or Bosnia or Ethiopia or Somalia... You cry out, how long, O Lord, till the baby is born? What this text says is that we saints, that is, we who have laid hold on Jesus for hope and salvation, have all of the effects of judgment turned into means of grace. That's the meaning of Romans 8.28, just a few verses later. Everything is working together, even the pain and the horrible things, for the good and the holiness and the redemption of the children of God. And the other thing this verse implies is that we are saved in stages. We have forgiveness of sins now. We will have freedom from all sinning later. We have reconciliation with God now. We will have complete intimacy with God Later, We have the first fruits and the down payment of the Holy Spirit now. We will have the full harvest of His power and presence later. We have some healing now from all our sexual disorders and other things. Some, some. And we will have full wholeness later. We see His beauty through a glass darkly now. We will see face to face later. We have peace with God now we will have perfection later. And therefore he talks about
1: waiting now with patience. This is Light and Truth, God-centered preaching to help you see Christ clearly and treasure Him truly. I'm your host, Dan Kruver. Thank you for listening. On our next episode, John Piper continues our series on our gospel need with a sermon titled, Love in a Disordered World. I hope you'll join us. For more resources, visit desiringgod.org.